Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption. Everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because party of redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hey, everybody. It is a great day. I'm excited to be talking to I've been anticipating this podcast for a long, long time. And actually, I had put this on the list that I'm going to hold out until this pandemic blows through and uh, get with this guy face to face. And it didn't happen. But I'm, I'm excited to have as our guest today, uh, Logan Creasy. Logan, welcome to Redemption's Table. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. I appreciate it, man. Hey, you're welcome. And if yeah, those of you listening, if you don't know Logan, you need to get to know Logan. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up on a few points on where we, where God kind of brought our journeys together, just to share, you know, with those listening. Um, I tend it in, if anybody's listening to this podcast on any regular basis, you know that one of the pivotal worship moments for me back in, I believe it was 2015, was when I discovered Christmas at Shades, Shades Mountain Baptist Church there in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. The very first one, I'm always drawn to, um, because it's worship, mm-hmm. I'm looking toward those who are leading me in worship because I can see that they are worshiping. Mm. And I came up, I think probably the very first one, I came up and talked to two people. I went up and talked to Michael Adler. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is the worship director there. And then I came up to talk to you. I was like, wow, I want to, you know, and I think it was just a very brief conversation. I said, Hey man, I just appreciate what you're doing. So that was our first contact and you yeah. had such a heart for worship. Logan. Yeah, I have, I don't remember. I, I'd have to go back and look at what that, what that CBC is, what the, what they call it. Um, I'd have to go back and remember what all was done during that service. But uh, that was one of my first few. I came there and, 2013. And so that would have been my third if it was 2015. And, um, but yeah, just a, such a sweet time and, and, uh, always a time of, of great worship with, with, uh, old friends and new friends like yourself who, who drop in. And, um, I really enjoyed my time. There it was a, it was a whole lot of fun doing those Christmas performances and Christmas worship services, uh, together. So, yeah. well, I have a bachelor in church music and, and primarily worship and of course, we're talking back in the day, 40 years ago. And to me, that was always a challenge to lead worship while at the same time I am worshiping myself. Mm. Mm. I, I, it, it's, it's, it was hard for me. And I, you know, maybe I'm being, maybe my 2020 self is being hard on my 1980 self. Right. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I, 
I have found, and I'm, I'm really young, I'm only 36. And so I, I have found that a lot of my own personal worship happens when I'm spending time with the Lord with uh, a pen in my hand and the Bible open and my guitar in my hands by myself, like preparing those corporate worship services. You know, I feel like I need to spend time with the Lord personally for me to be able to effectively then lead the church. But uh, my, my goal in that moment is not to necessarily have this one-on-one personal interaction with God that just melts me, right? It's, yeah. it's all about my, my purpose in that moment is to serve the church. And I think uh, I would like to think that God is honored by that and, uh, and, and allows me to still taste the sweetness of his presence uh, as I'm able to lead his people. Yeah. Well, I will just tell you from one sitting in, in the congregation while that was going on that you, you embody that, uh, mm. that objective. Um, I appreciate that. I think the second year I came, maybe in the third year, but I think the second year I came, you did a guitar solo, electric mm. guitar solo, uh, lift your heads, lift your heads, you weary sinners. Oh yeah. Lift your Crowder head. Song. Yeah, the David Crowder song. Yeah. 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 With the yeah. student choir. Yeah. Yeah. And I was man blown away by that because, you know, you come out with this incredible guitar solo. And again, you're talking about a guitar solo in the context of worship and to, to I don't want to say pull that off because then I'm not trying to cheapen worship at all. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a delicate balance and you, you, right. you, you incredible. Uh, and then what the, what the choir did, it was mixed with another song. It was mixed with a Christmas carol. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's something that I think Michael Adler does really well. I think, you know, God is honored in corporate worship. God's also honored when the people, the, the, the gifts that he gives to people, they use those for his glory. Right. And so, you know, guitar, guitar solos can honor God too. It's fine. Yes, especially if it inspires and, and uh, you know, stirs someone else's affections for Jesus. And maybe it, maybe if it just calls attention to get, get someone's attention and then they hear like, lift your head, weary sinner, right? There's a, mm-hmm. there's a grace. There's a God who loves you has come for you. And um, you know, if that, if that's all, if that's the only purpose it serves, it serves a great purpose. And so I think, I think it, it can be a both end for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I and just thought just popped in my mind, you know, true worship, Jesus, you know, said those who worship me in spirit and truth, true worship breathes. Mm. And, uh, that's, that's it. Uh, that's what I've experienced mm-hmm. with your leadership, Michael's leadership, others leadership, uh, through the years, you know, those moments, it, it's like those leading worship, get out of the way and let God breathe. Mm. through whatever is being done. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's a, that's high praise, man. I really appreciate that. That's um, yeah. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. I, I'll take that one. So, uh, um, and you graciously, I, I was at the time a couple of years ago doing a worship gathering on Tuesday night called broken worship gathering. And I invited you down and you graciously agreed to come. I think you did the Crowder song again. And, and again, right. just, I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm grateful for what God is doing in your life and uh, just allowing us to share a little bit of the journey together. Yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, it's been several years now. It's been good to get to know you and see what God's doing in your life to hear your story. Um, of redemption and and what uh and, and how the Lord continues to work and use you so I love it it's great 
You, you never know when you post something on Facebook, which you're not on Facebook often, and I'm not. I use it for promotional purposes for the podcast or for other things that I'm working on. But you never know when you're going to pop something on a podcast, pop something on your Facebook page that God's going to use. And I want to tell you that God did that through you back in February of last year. You were, and I'm going to, we're, we're going to let you share your story about uh, your family uh, and future family at that point. But you were going through a point where waiting on God to move, you just, you wrote a little devotional and you included the song. I will wait for you. I think you even shared the link to the song, which I was unfamiliar with the song. I looked up Shane and Shane's version and I'll just tell you, uh, I've got my journal right here for 2019. And, uh, that was just, uh, you know, God used that and used that throughout the entire year. Uh, I, I, uh, Somebody had said, I think it was Mark Batterson who said, whatever your life verse happens to be, mm-hmm. uh, it, you'll probably want your favorite verse. You'll wind up living that verse. And I, when <laughs> I was a kid, Isaiah 40, 31 was my verse. You know, wow, they yeah. that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And I think that's the part I was really going for, the mounting up with the right. wings like <laughs> Not eagles. Not the waiting. Not right. the waiting. No, oh, but, but it's so true, man. My that's- life... I, Go ahead. Sorry. The weight of God, you know? Yeah. If that's, if that's the truth, I'm going to go find a really good verse that talks about a lot of blessing and and everything else. But that's, yeah. um, That's not been my experience, (laughs) but that's, uh, yeah. So during that time we were, um, I mean, that song you mentioned it from Shane and Shane just really spoke to me. And, and, And at the time, I'll be honest with you, when we started that whole journey, we had no idea I had no idea that that was the lesson that God was actually teaching me mm-hmm. like that waiting on him was what I was needing to learn. Um, but then it's almost like he gave me that song. Right. And, and, you know, for musicians or, or people who love corporate worship, like it, it generally comes in the form of a song. And so God kind of gave me that song and I, I heard it and was just like, so that's what you're doing. Right. So, you know, we're, because I literally the word wait defined our lives at that time. So tell us why, tell us what you were going through. Uh, I think I I love this story. Yeah. I love hearing it. I love what God did. Yeah. So in, um, in 2018, in February of 2018, uh, I got a phone call. I got to remember this right now. I got to get my date straight. I have too many kids now. Um, how many do you have? So I have, uh, we have four now, Four, okay. uh, one biological and three adopted. So, um, I got a phone call from, we got a phone call, uh, back in 2017, in March of 2017. And I was still on staff there at Shades in Birmingham and we were foster parents. We had kind of taken a little bit of a break because we had a really just difficult placement, uh, back Mm -hmm. A few months earlier. So we had kind of taken a break. And I remember we got a phone call on Thursday saying, um, or excuse me, we got a phone call on Friday saying that there was a, a little baby born, little, little baby boy that was born on Thursday, just the day before, was going to be discharged from the hospital on Saturday. And being the weekend, they really just needed an emergency placement for this child. Um, the situation was really rough, really difficult. And they knew immediately that this was going to, that he was going to have to be placed in foster care. And so 
they called and they were just looking for an emergency placement. And we said, yeah, we can, we can do that. Right. You know? So, um, at the time we had, uh, our two oldest daughters, um, Grayson, who's now nine, she would have been about six at that time. And then Sammy, who's eight would have been about five. So, uh, it was good. You know, five and six year old, we'll have, we'll have a newborn baby A five and six year old. will be fine. We can do this for the weekend. And then, so on Saturday, you know, we went to the hospital and I'm the one that put him in his car seat. I'm the one that buckled him in. Uh, I'm the one that placed the car seat in the car and drove him back to my house, just as if he was quote unquote, my child. Right. Um, and so on Monday morning, we are getting our, our daughters ready for school. I very distinctly remember I was, I was already up. I was doing my quiet time just in the chair that I always did that in. And I'm, I'm reading the Bible, spending time with God. And I'm asking him, right? Because as soon as DHR office is open, we're going to make a phone call, right? Or we're going to get a call from them and, hey, what's happening, right? So it's Monday morning. What's going to happen with this little baby? And um, so I remember I'm sitting there. It's about seven o'clock. And my wife brings him to me to give him his bottle while she finishes getting our other kids ready. And so we, um, I'm sitting there feeding him and I'm just praying. I'm looking at him, feeding him his bottle and I'm just praying, God, what do you have? What do you have for us? What do you have for us? So that keeps going for, for several minutes. And my wife takes our other kids to school. And uh, while she's gone, I just very clearly hear um, the Lord say to me, Logan, I've told you what I want, right? Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And in that moment, Robert, I'll just be honest, I don't know of anything that's more justice, more merciful than taking a child who is not your own and loving it like your own, caring for it, giving him everything that, you, that he needs, uh, not only to just survive, but to thrive. Like, I, I don't know, to me, just in my own life, adoption and foster care is one of the most beautiful pictures I believe we have in the 21st century in America today of what justice and mercy looks like. Um, and so <laughs> the Lord recalled that verse to my mind and I was just like, okay, yeah, well, that's it. So my wife gets back home and... Um, I tell her, I'm like, babe, I, I really think we need to be his placement family. Do, doesn't mean adoption, like by any stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. at that point. It just means, hey, we're, we're going to be his foster family, right? So we, with, here's the kicker, within 30 minutes of me hearing the Lord say that and me telling my wife that we are actually on our way rushing to Children's Hospital because he starts getting like violently sick, mm. immediately starts running a fever. He immediately starts um, uh, vomiting and it's, it's not normal, right? It's mm-hmm. not normal baby spit up kind of thing. And so we're rushing to children's hospital and he's actually admitted into the NICU for four days. Wow. And while we're sitting there uh, in the emergency room, uh, my wife has a picture of it. it that, that afternoon around three o'clock, it's time to go get our daughters from school. And she looks at me and she says, someone's going to have to go get the girls. And I look at her and I said, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, I'm not leaving him. Like, I'm just not leaving him. And looking back on it, I truly, truly believe, and I don't understand this, but I just truly believe that God called, called me to obedience. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And then, and then 
he knit our hearts together, right? Mm -hmm. He used that hospital stay. He used what, if you want call it suffering, he used that refinement, that suffering to actually knit our hearts together. I put my yes on the table and he said, now I'm going to make you his father. I'm going to, I'm going to, now I'm going to stir your heart. I'm going to attach the two of you. Right. And, um, I never left his side. That was Monday morning. I never left his side until Thursday afternoon when we went, uh, when we went home. So, uh, and, and from that point on, in my opinion, that was my son. And, um, so, so then fast forward, that's kind of the backstory. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to a year later, uh, in 2018, February of 2018, I get a call from another church here in Douglasville, Georgia. And no, by this time, we know that um, he is going to be, um, that rights are going to be terminated and he's going to be adopted. And so we're asked, hey, are you a, an adoptive resource? And we say, absolutely. And um, so I start talking to this other church about the possibility of what God might be doing to, to lead us away from shades, which we loved mm -hmm. still love um, and, and possibly coming here to Douglasville all the while knowing I can't take this child across state lines. Right. So it's almost ludicrous for me to, for me to even have this conversation. And, you know, so, so back to the, the song or the, the theme of waiting, like, well, I ended up saying yes to this, uh, to this position. I felt like God was leading us here and I couldn't explain it because we couldn't leave the state, right. but I believe that God was saying, do you trust me again? Put your yes on the table and then I will work it all out. Right. But I need yeah. your yes. I need, do you actually trust me? Do you really believe that I'm holding your days that I'm going to work this out? That I, um, that I hold your future, that I go before you, do you really believe that? And, and so we accepted the position and when we did that, uh, that was in May, end of April, beginning of May of 2018. In June, or at the very end of May, it's blurry now, but in June, we find out that birth mom is pregnant again. Okay. And um, because of what's going on with our son, it's immediately going to be an adoptive situation, right? Mm -hmm. So because they always want to keep siblings together, she calls they call us and they ask our, okay, birth mom's pregnant again. We would love for this child to be with her brother. Is that a possibility? Can you, can you take this child? <laughs> so now like, get this, we are, we are stuck in Alabama. I've accepted a position in Georgia and I have no idea when we're leaving and we're about to have a new baby. Right. Wow. <laughs> and, um, what's funny is that she was born the Tuesday before my last Sunday at Shades. Wow. So I have a week year old. I no longer technically have a job, right? I have because I don't start here until August 1st. I have a week old. I have a one year old plus my two oldest daughters. And now um, we can't leave the state. Now at that time, uh, the whole court, the court hearing and everything was supposed to was supposed to go through in May. Well, then it got pushed back to August and um, my pastor here in Douglasville was like, Logan, let's just wait. Let's just wait and see what happens. And I was like, no, my yes is on the table. We're, we're, we're coming. Uh, God will work it out. And I'll be honest with you. I was fully thinking, yeah, God's going to do something great and it's going to be August and we're only going to miss like a month. I'm only going to have to commute for a month. It's not even going to be, you, know, you just watch. Well, August came and it got pushed back to December. Wow. 
and that fall was it was just awful it was awful man and you know like i've got a newborn at home i've got another small child got two older daughters who are still only seven eight years old i'm driving back and forth to atlanta two or three times a week and we can't leave the state and there's no end in sight for this right yeah and so that's when i just i, I got very discouraged i got very you know I wouldn't say I questioned God, but it's like, God, what are you doing? You know, like I, I thought blessings came to those who followed after you and, and, and wanted to pursue your will for your glory. And like, this is just not, you know, I, this isn't fair, you know, and that's my flesh speaking, but it's just kind of how I felt at the time. Yeah. But, um, so eventually we, um, we got into the first court hearing and that went through in December. But then there's, then there's another court hearing to finalize the adoption. And we didn't know when that was going to happen. And that finally actually went through in March of 2019. And wow. I think, like you said, it was, it was around the beginning of that year when I, I made that Facebook post. But at, by that time, you're looking at six to seven, eight months of mm-hmm. just waiting. Like we literally can't do anything. We can't we can't leave. We can't start our new lives. Our lives in Birmingham have come to an end. You know, that, that chapter has come to an end. We can't start a new chapter in Douglasville. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was yeah. just, you know, and, and, I, and like I said, I think that God, that God gave me that song to say, like, do you trust me? You know, yeah. out of the depths, I cry to you. And that's where I was. I'll just be honest. Like, out of the depths, I cry to you. Do you hear me? Right. Yeah. Um, I love David's audacity in that Psalm. Do you hear me? Psalm like, do you even care? Yeah. 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 Do you even care? Yeah. Uh, and uh, all the while, I think God's just smiling saying, I'll oh, just wait, just wait, you know, <laughs> so, to finish that story off. I'm sorry it took so long, but to finish that story off, we uh, adoptions were finalized on uh, in March. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, by that time we said, let's just let the girls finish the school year and, so we finally got to move to uh, Douglasville on June first. It's actually the day. So it was it was ten months that I did the commuting thing, and um, but you know I told when we found out that we were going to have uh, the little sister, mm-hmm. they everyone asked. They said, "Well, you know, what are you going to do with Douglasville and with the baby? Are you you know are you going to take the child? Or are you not going to take the child?" And I said, "Look." God may or may not have called me to Douglasville, but I know he's called me to adoption. So there's no question about the child. Douglasville yeah. may not work out, but that child is going to be mine. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, now they're both creases. They wear my name. They have my inheritance. They are my kids. So. That's awesome. Welcome to the wild, wild world of God. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's never <clears throat> easy. Yeah, the wild, wild weight of God. Yeah, it's because it, in our minds, we're thinking, God, you have eternity. We don't. <laughs> we right. have 70 years, 80 years, right. you know? <laughs> right. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what, what, what's, the, what's the son's name? Uh, so we actually changed his name. We, we kept his first name. Okay. Made it his middle name, and we, we gave him my name, Logan. Logan. So awesome. He's a junior, so his name is Logan Hayden. Oh, cool. And, um, and then uh, the little sister, our youngest daughter's name is Piper. Okay. Uh, I am wow. a huge John Piper fan. So yeah, I know Jesus is the true hero of the story. I don't worship a theologian, but I really like God used him immensely in my life. And 
So, uh, and, and we just love the name and I'm a musician. So Piper works as well. And, yeah. and then we gave, gave her my, uh, my grandmother's name, Elizabeth. All of our kids have family names. Uh, even our three adoptive kids, we believe that speaks volumes and actually speaks a, a really loud truth to them and to the world about how we view them. And so, yeah, they all have family names. Well, that's powerful because we are adopted in God's family. And I, I'm, I'm just guessing you and your wife, y'all understand that a little deeper than the rest of us do who understand it, but y'all are living it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how, um, you know, it's funny. We don't, you know, systematic theology. I know you're familiar with systematic theology where you kind of take a topic and it's, you just drill down on that topic and then you move to Mm -hmm. another topic. Uh, I love systematic theology, but that's not how life works. And, um, you know, all of it just is one big melting pot. And it's funny how adoption and my theology of worship really go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I just, just turned in my thesis paper for seminary. I'm officially done. And, uh, I won't get to walk because of Corona. Thanks a lot. But, uh, but I'm done with seminary. And so uh, that's come, that's come to an end. And I wrote my thesis on worship. In fact, the John four passage that you brought up earlier and mm-hmm. what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? And I believe that what it means to worship in spirit and truth is to hear and enjoy the words. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? Mm-hmm. So if that's what worship is, that's what adoption is, is to hear the father say, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased, not my, my, uh, someone who stays in my house, who, um, I tolerate, right. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And that's what, that's, that's not only what adoption is. That's what I believe is worship is to hear and feel and sense the pleasure of the father, just as the son does. And then to return that same, to mirror back to him, that same pleasure and joy that the son has for the father. We've been brought in spirit and truth, Holy spirit, son of God. We've been brought in to the Trinity because of adoption. Thereby we are true worshipers, right? Yeah. It's all one. It's, it's, a, uh, um, it's just so powerful and, and really shapes who I am, how I think and, and, and even how we built our family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's really, really good. Good insight insightful there. It's, I just started a book a few days ago, John Eldridge's Moving Mountains. And that's one of the things he starts talking about is let's talk about who God is and then talk about who you are to God. Mm. And he really focused on you're his child. Mm -hmm. And so when you pray, you're praying as a child would talk to his father and that, but it's, you know, stemming out of a relationship. Right. Uh, I like to say, you know, people, um, I don't, I don't think by and large, a lot of people understand adoption mm-hmm. and, um, I have a whole sermon that I, that I love to preach when I get the opportunity to preach and tell our story of adoption and foster care. But, um, and in there, I, I bring up the, the fact that I don't think people really understand adoption. And I know that because of the questions they ask us, right? Questions like, um, uh, do you know her real mom? Mm-hmm. Right. I do. I do. I have a very intimate relationship with her yeah. real mom, right? I've been married to her for 13 years now. Uh, or or um, how much did she cost? Right. Like she's a candy bar. 
She's wow. not a bag of chips. She's not, um, you know, and then, um, um, I mean, there's several other questions that kind of come to mind with, but, and, and people mean well, like, hear me, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be mean uh, or rude to them. Like people mean well, and they just want to learn and they want to hear about your story, but there is an innate um, misunderstanding in those questions of what adoption truly is because what adoption truly is, is, you know, before, so our, our oldest child, Grayson, mm-hmm. Uh, was born back in 2010. She was born right outside of Tampa, Florida. And in our house in Nashville, Tennessee at the time, we had, uh, we had a room in our house that had her name on it, had her name right there on the door. She had a bed. She had pictures painted on the wall that my wife had done. Uh, she had a blanket that my wife had sewn. Like she was, she had a place before she ever took her first breath. She, uh, she had a, a, a place in my house with her name on it. Um, I had, I had promised and vowed to love her just as if she was my own biological child before she ever did anything lovable. Yeah. Right. Before she was ever lovable, I loved her and I sought her. Right. So, I mean, and that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians, right. In love, he predestined us to be sons and daughters, right? According to the purpose of his plan, uh, we've been adopted to the praise of his glorious grace. And um, it's not because we were lovable that God set his affections upon us. The, our adoption stems not in our ability to love God, but God's ability to love us. Yeah. And um, I, I sense that. I got to learn that firsthand. Uh, with our adoption of our oldest daughter. And it, I mean, it changed our lives forever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. You're, uh, you know, you mentioned the, uh, I'll wait for you song, which comes right out of the Psalms. And in a lot of ways, in, in just observation, when I've seen you lead in worship and you're, you're very vulnerable when you lead in worship, you, uh, uh, you you're open when like just like when you put that Facebook post you're open to, and I'm just reaching a point here where I'm when will this be resolved in the way that I know it's going to be resolved because God has given His word but come on God get with the program and uh, that's one of the things I appreciate appreciate so much about you it's just like uh, the realness and the honesty and it opens up for other people to follow suit and realize we don't, we're not, we don't have to always be at our best, you know, or no, not saying that's not our bad. I don't mean that. Uh, we don't have to be, we don't have to put on a front. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a musician and we're all a little sensitive, I guess, <laughs> you know, uh, I, man, I appreciate you saying that because, and that's what I want to be known for. I, dude, I don't have it all together. And so why even try to fake it? And I'll tell you, Robert, like I was, I was born again when I, when God opened up my eyes to understand the fact that I am not loved because of my performance. Yeah. I'm not loved because of my ability to be lovable. Um, that's what like, that's literally when I was converted is when I understood the gospel, like Philippians three, that not having a righteousness of my own, 
right? Not having it all together, not being able to perform well, not being able to march the ball down the field, however you want to put it, whatever metaphor you want to use, like that's not what Paul boasted in. Yeah. And as someone who literally lived his entire life striving to be that guy, striving to be the best, striving to perform well, striving to, to measure up, and then realizing you've got the Apostle Paul here whose resume would outdo anyone's in the world, and he's ripping it up saying, none of this matters. Yeah. All that matters is that I have another righteousness that comes to me by faith alone in Christ alone, right? That my eye, God opened my eyes to that, and I understood the gospel. Yeah. And that's, that's when I fell in love with Jesus. And I, I have Philippians 3, 8, and 9 tattooed on the inside of my arm for that exact reason, because I will forget and I will try to perform and I will try to measure up and I will try to act strong and I'll try to do all these things. And God says, it's not your righteousness. It's not your good works. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus. Would you just stop and surrender and trust? And so, man, I, I know I don't have it all together and I'm, I'm really not ashamed of, of admitting that, you know, I'm, I'm really not. And I'm, I, I want to lead from a vulnerable place. And I know a lot of men don't like that. I know a lot of men think that's weakness. Well, God's strength is on, on, uh, on display in my weakness. And so yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that verse of scripture that st blows me away every time I uh, look at it, where it says God made him made Jesus who knew no sin mm -hmm. be sin. Oh, wait a minute. That, that, that's a, Oh goodness. He, he mm -hmm. became my sin. He didn't just, just take on our sin. He became our sin. Okay. You could stop right there. That's enough to contemplate for, for years. Right. But then it doesn't stop there. Right. In, in, in order that he might, that we might become the righteousness of God. So it's a transaction there. Okay. He becomes your sin and then you get his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Good, great. Yeah. Yes. So like, you know, the theo the, the, the big million dollar seminary word for that is double imputation. And that's something else that I was like, I'm happy enough that my sins are forgiven. I'm happy enough that Jesus was punished. Right. Just yeah. give me a clean slate. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right. Yeah. Just give me a clean slate. Let me start over. Give me a little bit of power and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do better the second time around. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. It's not just that your sins were forgiven. It's that you are now considered perfect. You are holy, you are blameless, you are pure, you are undefiled. Everything that the Son was from all eternity's past, you now are in Him. You are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, bringing back the adoption. Yeah. I mean, that is the gospel, and uh, I hope I never get over that. Yeah, yeah, me neither. And I think when you reach that point and you recognize that it's the freest moment in the world, it's like there's when freedom begins, there's when... Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I don't have any con. Cut the con, you know, cut, cut the pretense. Right. Don't play the game. Stop. Uh, right. And to be able to tell somebody, and it's, it's amazing just kind of watching, you know, you'll tell them you bring no, no righteousness to this relationship. Right. And it's like, man, you can tell the cogs are smoking. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But you know, I want to do the right thing. Well, yeah, yeah. You want to do that, but, but that's not what, saves you that's not right. what cinches the relationship you, you just yeah. you can't it, it, that you can't earn it right it's like You're tim here. keller says uh and i love this quote tim keller talks about how um 
religion, like world religion, other mm-hmm. than Christianity, and maybe even some forms of Christianity, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Mm-hmm. And the gospel of Jesus Christ alone says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Yeah. It's yeah. not good advice, it's good news. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I know you, what, about a week or so ago, you were sharing, you know, here we are in the midst of the pandemic, and we're, we were talking a little earlier about you know, being home and working out of the home and kind of getting used to the new rhythm. And uh, you've, you've, have you come up with some new, have you written some new worship songs from this time? Man, I wish I could say I have. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I, I put a song on Facebook about a week ago or so. And, and that's a song that I wrote while I was actually at shades. And, um, it's really weird. God gave me that song. Um, I, nothing was really going on in our lives, right? I wasn't experiencing loss, but mm-hmm. for some reason I felt ne- I felt the desire and the need to write a song about loss, about like what happens when everything around me says, is screaming at me that God does not love you. God does not care. Look at your circumstances, you know, and, um, you know, Martin Lloyd Jones said for every one look at your circumstances, take 10, 10 looks at the cross. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I wrote that song again. It's, it's not always born out of an, a real life experience, but just the truth that you know to be true from, from scripture, right. That, that we are going to suffer and, um, you know, the book of Lamentations tells me it's okay to ask God why to, uh, to say, I don't like this. That's okay. God is not, uh, put off by our questions or our weakness. And, um, so I wrote a song that just asked why and, um, and then kind of preached the gospel to myself in the midst of it. And so, yeah, I I can't remember exactly when that song was written, but man, I, I don't have time to write any music right now. I am, yeah, I'm working, working extremely long days trying to get uh, everything done for the church. And uh, like, like most worship pastors out there, yeah. small to middle, mid-sized uh, churches, I mean, they are the social media, they're the communications guys, they're the worship guys, they're the video guys, they're the audio engineers. I mean, you got to do it all. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a lot of time. I wish I, I, wish I could. I'm sure yeah. may, maybe next year when all this blows over, I'll remember back and say, okay, let's, let's sit down with a guitar and try to do some things. Reflect on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the scripture and the stories that I identify most with are those who understand suffering like Joseph in the book of Genesis, Job, obviously Psalms. The Psalms are so guttural and so messy and it's like, wow, if man had been writing a book about how to commune with God, he would have cleaned it up a little bit, but it's just obvious that, you know, God, these are real people experiencing real emotions, bringing everything to the table with God, just the authenticness of that. And uh, in Jeremiah, the prophet, and then ultimately Jesus, every one of those, and then Paul, the apostle Paul too, but every one of those understood suffering. Uh, or they, or there were times when they didn't understand suffering. And so they questioned it. Um, but they had, because they had to suffer, they had to go through that season of wait, which is kind of where we are in a little bit in our world right now. Right. What's coming? You know, what's next? Right. And he's, yeah. Again, 
out of the depths I cry to you, do you hear me? Um, but I'll set my eyes to Zion and I'll trust in the Lord, my God, you know, that's funny. I, I never thought about that. That's really good, Robert. The whole idea, you know, if, if David really wanted to make himself out the hero, he probably would have polished it a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if Paul wanted to make himself out to be the hero, Philippians three would not be in the Bible. Yeah. Um, but he, he considers all his good works as garbage, uh, for the sake of knowing Christ. So, um, yeah, I have no idea what this is all going to bring. Uh, I do know, how amazing is it that the internet is literally saturated with the gospel right now because churches are forced to, to go to online services. Um, I think churches are going to be, and I don't think we're going back. Honestly, uh, I don't think life is going back to normal. I think there will always be a, uh, there will always the, the steps forward that the church made in communicating to people better, more concisely, more explicitly with the gospel uh, the steps forward that we took uh, to serve our people digitally and online, I don't think we're going back from that. And so yeah, yeah. Let's, ho- let's add back the much needed, and, and I would even say more important, life on life, uh, in-person meetings, discipleship, worship, all of that stuff. Let's add that back, but let's not lose the fact that we are saturating the internet with the gospel. Yeah. Um, so I think God's up to something. I honestly do. And, and I'm not going to sit here and presume upon what that might be, but, um, uh, so my pastor, uh, his, his mentors, Jimmy Scroggins, who's down in Florida. And Jimmy always says, he said this entire time and I love it. He says, don't waste a crisis, never waste a crisis. Yeah. And uh, so I'd like to think that the church hasn't wasted this opportunity to push into God and to show the world, Hey, there is a better hope than a vaccine. There is a better hope than uh, a government having all the right answers. Um, there's a better hope than shelter in place. Yeah. And, uh, and his name is Jesus. Yeah. I just think it's, I think a lot of surprises are coming in a good, good way. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be led in some steps that a, a year ago we would not have even considered. It would not even have been on our radar. And it's yeah. going to be like, what in the world's going on? Well, God's well, leading. So I'm not, not to throw your podcast off, but whenever you turn the tape off, I'll tell you some things that's even going on in the life of our church that are just phenomenal. Like that would have never happened uh, had God not allowed this time to walk through, you know, the refining of his people, uh, honing down who that is and uh, loving the church. And man, it's just been, it's, it's actually been good. I, Hopefully we haven't wasted this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Redeem the time. That's what's been coming to my heart. You know, I would yeah, redeem yeah. this, this, this season. You got to uh, let the Lord lead you here. You know, something you want to close us out with a song or, or maybe a song or two, just I'm going to let you lead. Uh, sure, man. I've got a, uh, I got a song that, that I wrote. Not, I don't think anyone's really ever heard this. So we, I guess it would be considered new. I wrote this in that same amount of time. Again, it's kind of funny, like we were never, wasn't going through anything when this song was written. Mm-hmm. Um, but within a month, we lost my mother-in-law. And uh, it was almost like God gave me the song beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- the song's called Death is a Liar. And um, I just started thinking through um, death and, and like legitimate 
you know, physical death, but also um, the lies that death tries to tell you, the, the lies that the enemy tries to tell us, um, that, it, that it has a power mm-hmm. over us, that it, uh, that it can determine our steps, that it can t- determine our days. And uh, that's just not the truth. And so, uh, yeah, man, I'd love to, I'd love to play, play it for you. And the whole, the whole song is basically just a bunch of uh, metaphors about uh, death that's been defeated. And Good. so, uh, and then just the declaration that there's another who speaks life instead of death. So, yeah, man. It's a fighter without any fight. It's a liar without any lies. It's a clock that cannot tell time. It's a story that is no longer mine. Because there's one who's for me. And he is holy. And he speaks only what is good and what is once been declaring my sin has been put on him and I am loved I am loved It's a shadow that's covered in light It's a song without any rhyme It's a candle without any fire It's a story that is no longer mine Because there's one who's for me and one who's holy and he speaks only what is good and what is once been declaring my sin has been put on him and i am loved i am loved I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. Cause death is a liar. Boasting of power that it lost long ago. And now there's another boasting of life and then leading me home. Cause death is a liar. Boasting of power that it lost long ago. 
That's good. I love the cording there before you kind of broke out on that uh, building up to that. It's nice chord work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love the fact that, um, you know, like I said, within a month of writing that song, we lost my mother-in-law just like extremely, extremely uh, unexpectedly. And, yeah. And so, you know, uh, just knowing, and then, you know, a good friend of mine, there in Birmingham passed away a week ago and just knowing man that that death can boast all he wants but he's he's a defeated foe yeah yeah good word good truth need to be reminded it's I love it when God does that I've had picked up a message that I preached years before certain circumstances entered in go back and pick up those notes and I'm just sitting there and just almost trembling like, well, you led me to write that, God, but you wrote that for me. Right. Yeah. So it's mm, good. It's amazing. Man, I appreciate the time. Uh, it's gone by fast. And it has. Yeah. Looking forward to coming to Georgia when all this is behind us and we're going to sit down at the table and I'm going to let you show me, uh, give me a tour of your church. Cause that was one of the things we, we talked back at the end of January and actually saw each other there and, yeah. in Birmingham and so uh, yeah God's doing some really cool things at at uh, First Baptist Douglasville and we're we're really excited about that my wife who's a spectacular artist has put her touches all over that church building so it'll be it'll be fun to show her her handiwork off to you and uh, and let you see so we're really excited about it all I'm looking forward to that soon well I'm gonna tell these folks bye you hang on because I want to hear you know the off the record here Uh, so, uh, man, I I love you, my brother. I'm grateful that God has allowed our journeys to, to come alongside each other periodically. And it's always a a blessing, Logan, to spend this time with you, Robert. Really appreciate it, man. For those of you tuning in, just check back with us. We'll be back next Monday morning. Be listening for that call. Uh, Party of Redemption, your table is now available. The truth is folks though, in your own life, if you'll start listening for that call daily, Uh, even hourly, because God is setting tables before you wherever you are. And uh, he's throwing parties of redemption. He's he's saying, hey, I want to spend some time with you. Just as we've talked about today, he he loves you, uh, period. Loves you, looks upon you with his love and his grace. He created you. And so just be listening for his call. Uh, as he says that and speaks that and whispers that into your life. Hey, I've got a party of redemption, just me and you. And uh, just keep leaning into him. Let him speak. Keep trusting. Keep remembering death is a liar. And uh, again, thank you, Logan, for our time. And we'll talk to everybody else later. Thank you, brother.